And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? That question is a question that we all need to answer to face the storms that comes to us in life. The other day, it was the storm of fishing all night and they caught nothing. At one point, it was a storm of the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she battled with that storm. On location is a storm of the daughter of the Canaanite woman. How her the daughter that was demon-possessed? And she came to Christ. On another occasion, it was a storm of death of the friend of Jesus, Lazarus. The storms of life are real. Wickedness is real. Oppositions are real. But I'm here to announce to us that more real is our victory in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. That question of Jesus, when we look at it more critically, it provokes a lot of uh, things that we need to hold on to. Why are you afraid? In other words, you are not supposed to be afraid. Is that possible? Is that possible? Why should Jesus be asking us, why are you afraid? We are supposed to be afraid. That's the stark reality of the human existence. But in the face of danger, naturally, you should be afraid. But Jesus is asking, why are you afraid? That question is very important. In other words, from his own side, you are not Supposed to be afraid. And it means there is something wrong somewhere. Other translation will say, you ask them, where is your faith? The absence of faith is fear. Just as fear can ensnare a man or a woman, take hold of the soul of a man, eats him up until he completely dies. That is how faith also, when it takes hold of the soul of a man or a woman, it can lift him up to any level. These are two powerful forces. One is a contrary force, one is a life force. 
What we are dealing with here is a force of fear and a force of faith. On the side of Jesus, he was operating with a force of faith. On the side of the disciples, they were operating with a force of fear. In the same circumstance. In the same situation. Jesus classically demonstrated something here again. On the question where the disciples, he asked him to cross to the other side while he was dispatching the people he fed with the 5,000 uh, loaves of fish and all that. And the Bible says, at the fourth watch of the night, that is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus was walking on the sea. Why the disciples on the same sea were battling with storms and waves again? And why they were busy struggling with the storm, praying that they would reach the ground, Jesus was majestically walking on the water. On the side of Jesus, the storm was an entourage leading him to where he was going. On the side of the disciples, they were contending with what? The storm was death unto them. Same situation, different operations. And when he was, he was even faster than the boat. Because he caught up with the boat and was passing and they saw him. The apostle John says, that is the Lord. Peter said, don't tell me that. He looked and saw something. Jesus, if you are the one, ask me to come. How can we be here battling with life and death? And you are majestically moving in the same water. Jesus said, Peter, come. The impetuous Peter stepped into the water and truly walked in the water. The storm was still on. The waves were still on. When he started, his confidence was, if it is Jesus, he can't allow me to die. But as time went on, fear started eating to his soul. He was seeing the water going on and saying, hmm, it's possible that this thing, something can happen here. Oh man, I will go. There was thought discussion going on in his heart. And fear, through thoughts, entered, violated the law of faith. Peter began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus held his hand. If Jesus did not hold his hand, Peter would have died. Jesus was there. Peter would have what? Died. And God will not be, fought, will be at fault here. God will not be at fault here. He heard him and said, why did you doubt? Why? He rebuked him. He rebuked him. He violated the law of faith. It's a sin. And the consequence is death. Then with that rebuke, Peter came back to himself again. Remember something. Then he began again to walk with Jesus back to the boat.
Another question now is, if Peter did not walk on the water, all of us here will have argued that now let Jesus go feel work for water. Even this one now, this one that he did today, when he asked them, where is your faith? If Peter did not walk on the water, we now say, no, this question is just to help us become more Christian. That no, no human being can stop the storm. No human being can stop the wave. We will see argue that one so that we will not be in the position where Christ wants us to be. But I, I thank God for Peter. That he did not only stop the storm. He walked on the storm. He walked on the water. Praise the Lord. You don't, you don't like that kind of Christianity, right? Huh? You don't like that kind of Christianity? Uh-huh. Not this type of brandishing everywhere, every time. And that's the type of Christianity that Jesus brought. And that's the type he wants you and I to practice. The Christianity of life. The Christianity of power. Stop subscribing to this type of nonsense that is being brandished everywhere. Religiosity without spirituality. Self-consciousness instead of God-consciousness. He is still asking the question today, where is your faith? And as you are drowning, he is asking you, where is your faith? He is rebuking you. Lord, help me. Each time he said, oh, Lord, help me. Just remember that the way Peter cried, you cried that way. And he is not uh, coming with love. He is coming with what? With what? Anger to rebuke you. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Where is your faith? He rebuked them. Then they all shrink somehow. And he went back majestically into the cushion again. They say, what manner of man is this? I'm sure they didn't recover from that experience in that boat. Amen. Amen. May we rediscover this type of faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit help us. Let the Holy Spirit open our eyes. The devil will not want us to have this type of saving faith. You can practice any type of faith, but don't practice the saving faith. That faith that carries life. That faith that carries power. That is where Jesus is waiting for you and I. If we continue the other type of faith, he will be there waiting for you. He's interested in those who practice the saving faith. Point number two. What is the saving faith? What is this type of faith that carries life this type of faith that carries divine power. 
The Jews were uh, the Jews were already serving God. They are the covenant people of God. The disciples were the Jews. They have even left the Jewish religion. Now they are following Christ. Christ is teaching them. And I'm sure he has been teaching them. One day he told them, have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. He began to teach them. Have the God. He saw they had religious faith. He saw they had academic faith. He saw they had all type of devotional faith. But he now told them, have the God kind of faith. If your faith, if that God's kind of faith is as small as a mustard seed and you have it, you will tell this mountain to move. And it shall what? It shall move. If you refuse to doubt the efficaciousness of your word which you have spoken. So Jesus is more or less appealing to us to upgrade to a higher version of faith that he has brought. Now, when he began to teach them the word, they began to receive that type of faith. Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is a word of God that you hear that touches your soul, that will release the quantum of that grace of the saving faith. If you have no connection with the world, you can't have access to that type of faith. You will tell them, if my word abides in you, and you have absolute confidence and trust in the one who has sent me, you have eternal life. So what is this saving faith? This faith that has power. This faith that has life in it. This faith that has strength. That Jesus is saying, where is it? Look for it. Search for it. Engage it. It will turn around negative situations to positive. Paul, in his second letter to the the Corinthians, which we read in the second reading, begins to make a journey on how this faith is acquired. Brethren, the love of Christ urges us on. The love of Christ urges us on. The love of Christ drives us on. The love of Christ is the propelling power. The love of Christ. The love of Christ. The love of Christ. The love of Christ. Everyone, can I hear you say that? The love of Christ. What is the love of Christ? That Paul says is the one that is driving us on. Is the machine inside. The love of Christ. The love of Christ. 
In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he says that the love of God or the love of Christ have been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And he said that love can never disappoint. There's no disappointment in that love. If you catch that love, every form of disappointment comes to an end. Human love can disappoint. Family love can disappoint. Husband love can disappoint. Wife's love can disappoint. Friendship love can disappoint. But this love that comes from the womb of the Holy Spirit cannot uh, disappoint. Paul wandered behind the boats and said, who can separate me from this love of Christ? When he caught sight of it, he took hold of it. He now is the possessor of that love. He said, who can separate me? Meaning that there are things that will come to separate you from that love. He said, is it hunger? He started boasting, hunger, you can never make me lose this love. No matter how hungry I am. Is it peril? Is it persecution? Is it nakedness? Is it joblessness? Is it sickness? Is it circumstances and situations? You cannot separate me because they are coming to separate you. He said, in all this, we are what? More than conquerors. So the driving force is the love of Christ that you have caught. Not your love for God, though. Hello. It's not about your love for God, but discovering the love of God for your life. Many of us want to love God. I love God. I love God. That's not the interest of God. He doesn't need it. What he needs is catch my love first. When you catch it, you will now know how to love me. You have not seen my love. You want to love me. Where are you getting, where, where, where are you getting your template from? Who gave you the standard to love me? It is when you catch my love, it will dawn on you. You will see a different type of love. Then you will now know how to reciprocate. Paul now says, it is that love that urges us on. Because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all has died. That love led him to die. When he died, all of us died. Dying, he destroyed our death. Rising, he restored our lives. That love was so powerful, it led him to die. When he died, his love began to deal with the dark side of my life. His love began to handle circumstances and situations that are in my life that are not consistent with what God has ordained for my life. So we are trying to discover this saving faith. Saving faith is absolute confidence in the love of God. That love that can never fail. So when Jesus was asking them, where is your faith? He's asking them, haven't you discovered that the love of God cannot permit this to happen to you? You have what it takes to handle it? Because fear is what? Fear is simply a sign of lack of confidence in anything. It is a sign of hopelessness. Helplessness and hopelessness. 
What gives the military man the courage to parachute from the plane and jump down, eh? Is what? It's because he knows that few meters to the earth, what will happen? He will release something that will cushion his uh, landing. If not, no matter how you train a military man, and you see he has all the courage in this world, and you ask him to jump from the plane without a parachute, you will see where a man will struggle to be alive. But once you mount on his back a standard parachute and he knows it, he will jump. He will move. Because he knows before he lands, there is something that will cushion so that the impact will not kill me. If you discover the love of God, it will be your parachute. That whenever you jump in any situation of life, you know there's something that will cushion your life. So that was what Jesus was asking him. Where is your faith? Have you discovered the love of God? Paul says, faith that is being driven by love. Faith that's being driven by love. Finally, what is this love of God that you must have confidence in? Are you ready for it? Or should I stop here? Huh? Are you sure? Now I should stop here. I think it's enough. Haven't you discovered the love of God? Have you? So I should say it again now. <laughs> is that enough? <laughs> If you give that military man a parachute and he sees that it is just ordinary protein bag you put inside, will he jump? <laughs> Even though it appears as if it's what? A parachute. But if he opens it up there and looks and says, ah, I say, jump, jump. He say, no, this is not the real thing. Until he satisfies that the real thing is there that will do his job without failing, then he can jump. Same way, if you have not discovered the love of God, you can't jump. Your confidence should be in the love of God. That is a saving faith. That God that died for me, that God that paid the price, that God that is there for me, he cannot disappoint. Say it. He cannot, eh? Close your eyes and say it well to your heart, eh? You see, the way you say it matters a lot. Oh. If you say, hmm, you cannot disappoint. Okay. But when you say it with your spirit, it will carry weight. Close your eyes and announce yourself, this love of God cannot disappoint me. This love of God cannot disappoint me. Peter, why did you doubt? Peter said, oh, sorry, 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 master. Sorry, master. Nonsense. We will not take that again. They didn't write it, but it was there. And Peter said, Master, never again. So are you sure? Or I allow you to die now. He said, Master, sorry. Then he pulled him up. And Peter immediately, in his thoughts, remembered again the love that never disappoints. Then stood up again and started walking on the water. The same water that have killed him. It's the same water 
that is sustaining his life. What was the problem? Is it the water? What was the problem, people of God? Is it the water? Is it God? Is it Jesus? What was wrong? You see, faith. So, faith is the problem. Who is responsible for the absence of faith? How do we do it? How do we doubt? Allowed what? He allowed negative thoughts to, what, to do what? Okay. Your thoughts have power. Your thoughts have power. Every thought that settles on the chambers of your soul carries an energy, either to kill or to save. Just keep allowing all kinds of thought to flow in your mind. So I can't control this thought. No problem now. Very soon we shall see the effect. The Bible says our God is able to do more than we can think of or imagine. He can do. Not what we have said though. What we can think of. Peter at that point was not thinking of God's love. He was thinking of calamity. And whichever thought you allow to take hold of your heart becomes your God. In the book of Isaiah 55, they said, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, As the heavens are far from the earth, that is how my ways and thoughts are far from you. Meaning, you are commanded to think the thoughts of God. Think the thoughts of God. Fill your heart with the thoughts of God. How do you acquire the thoughts of God? The word of God. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the word of God is thoughts of God encased. Tell your neighbor, thoughts have power. Change your thoughts and then you see that things will start changing. If you continue to think that, continue. That is why I can't help you. You can't help me. Because it's in the chambers of your, the place you exercise your freedom. Immediately Peter changed his thoughts and remembered he activated another dimension of power. And the power sustained him. And this time around, I was looking at him with a gogoscope. <laughs> oh, you have not heard about gogoscope. God goscope. God goscope. Ah. When you look at you can everything that's happened, you'll be there. I always told you I was there now. I was at the side of the river and I gogoscope and I saw it. Eh? No, no, no. I was taking note of everything. <laughs> and this time Peter walked back more majestically. Showing the rest. Man, this is a cool experience. <laughs> and the Bible said, when I'm, the issue of storm and wave, nobody talked about it again. No. It is now Jesus and Peter's demonstration of divine storm in the storm of life. 
The Bible says, as they went back, the wave stopped. The storm calmed down. Nobody spoke to it. In the next two minutes, let's articulate the love of God that can never fail. Are we ready for it? Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Wow. So if you want to find out how the Father, how Jesus loves you, this love that cannot fail, Let's make a journey to find out how did the Father love Jesus. The Father loved Jesus so much that when his, he, Jesus accepted to come to the earth, he said, my son, go. And Jesus said, Father, how will I be there? He said, I will be with you. And then the Father came not just by sending anything, he came himself. And so the Bible says in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in Christ all his fullness should dwell. So the Father brought his entire fullness and dwelt in the body of Christ. Please, don't miss this point. Don't miss this point. This is the keys of the kingdom. You must catch this. If you lose it, forget it. You will continue your normal type of life. And continue to be a victim. And God is not responsible. The Bible says the righteous shall be delivered. Not by prayer. But by what? By knowledge. Understanding. The nitty-gritty is involved with the mysteries of the kingdom. How the kingdom operates. Say, I'm here. I'm here. Say, I'm here. I'm here. So, for it pleased the Father to dwell in his fullness in Christ. Colossians 2.9 For in Christ, all the fullness of the Trinity, all the fullness of the Father, and the Son dwells in him bodily. And Jesus retreated this fact when he was speaking to Philip. When Philip was saying, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you all this while? And you don't know that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. To have seen me, I can't hear you. To have seen me, we are not trying to discover the love of God though, that can never fail. That love that is the substance of our faith. So faith is not, I agree with God. God, yes, I agree with you that you can do it, just do it now. No, you are getting it wrong. Faith is to discover something that you can engage. That's why I ask him, where is your faith? Meaning that when you discover it and have possession of it, you can engage it in the affairs of life. And it will produce results for you. Faith is not telling God, come and do it. Faith is understand that what God has invested in you, you can engage it, and that love in God, of God in you cannot uh, fail you. That same Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 now says, And you, 
are complete in Christ. So I take it again. For in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and you are complete in that bodily form. So what is important to say? Just as a father filled Jesus in the bodily form, Christ too filled us with the fullness of God. So we are complete in God. Just as Jesus received the love of the Father by the fullness of the Father, we too have received Jesus and have the fullness of Christ. To have the fullness of Christ is to have the fullness of the Father. And to have the fullness of Christ and the Father is to have discovered and taken hold of the love of God. And that is what we are celebrating on this altar every day. When you receive Holy Communion, you are receiving the fullness of the Father in Christ. When you receive the Holy Communion, you are receiving the fullness of Christ in you. But the question now, which is the biggest problem, is that many have not discovered the content of the Eucharist. They only receive it, but they are not tapping that love. They are not tapping that power. The people of Israel ate it in the foreign land called Egypt. And the man who oppressed them from nowhere said, go. Death was happening everywhere. On account of that, the supernatural began to work in their lives. Discover the love of God in Christ. Discover the love of God in Christ. That's the key to the saving faith. And when you discover it, and you have absolute confidence in that love, you can begin to trust God for anything. And when you exercise your trust, God will not fail you. When we receive Christ, we receive his nature, we receive his spirit, we receive his life. That's what Paul now says, the, the last part now. That's where this is to be activated. This last part of that second reading. He said, from now therefore, no, no, this one, he said, for all have died, therefore those who live might live no longer for themselves. When you discover that love, you are like a woman who has discovered a husband or a man who has discovered his wife. He's no longer going to live for other women. He will only live for his wife. You have found your love. On account of that, you stake your life for your love. You are no longer to live for yourself, but to live for the one who did what? You're no longer to live for yourself, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. The law of operating this faith, listen now, is that when you discover this love, this love now overwhelms you, as the first thing says. Overwhelms you. Now, you will now live for that love only. On account of the fellowship that happens with this love, your confident faith will arise. Because this young man here has confidence in his mother. He can take some steps and come back and give account, and the, father, the mother will take care. Because I have confidence in my father who is in the village. I can do something and say, Daddy, I did this. It's okay, my sole problem. Because of what? There's a relationship. Quality relationship. Your children have absolute confidence in the love of their, their fathers and their mothers. 
And that's why when the father said, go, they go. Have we discovered that type of love in relation to God? If you discover this love, you will not live for yourself any longer. Living for self is death. Every day of your life must count living for Christ. Starting with your body. Down to your time. Down to everything you do in life. Paul now says in Romans chapter 12, offer our very selves as living sacrifice. The acceptable act of worship. Your worship starts with the offering of self. And that's why Jesus, he trained the disciples, all of them. When he began to live in that dimension, the supernatural was just manifesting every side of their lives. To a point where Peter now says, what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Get love, God. This is what the Lord is bringing to us today. Who are you living for? You know you can be in church. But you're not living for God. Is it possible? Yes. Paul says, I will glorify God with my body. Who are you glorifying with your body? Who are you glorifying with your body? If you come to your body, you have your mouth. What is your mouth glorifying every day? If you have to censor what comes out of your mouth every day and you vet it, what and what are you glorifying? What is your body demonstrating? What do you use your body for? Your life, can God count on you? Can God count on you? Is it possible that it's because you have not discovered that love? That's why you cannot love back? Yes, it's possible. Because you cannot love what you don't love. If you have not discovered a love, you can't love back. You can't give what you have not gotten. What are you living for? What you are living for will always protect you. What you are living for will always fight for you. What you are living for will never allow you to die. If your body truly is a sacrifice to God, God will be jealous to take hold of his sacrifice. You cannot offer a sacrifice to God and the devil come and take it. It's not possible. Amen. Amen. In those days, when we were in the village, there's this one shrine we have in our market. People come to market, come with all kinds of things. And so to transport them back home again will be expensive. So what would they do? They come to that shrine and drop it and go. So if you come there, on the days that are not market days, you see many things there. Bags of beans, bags of rice, goats tied there. Many things. Go and carry now. Praise the Lord. Go and take one. Gallons of oil. You see them packed there. Four days. It will be there four days. Day and night. One went there. A day after market to go and carry oil. He was there. People came and met him in the morning. He was in there holding the oil. They tried to pull him away. He was there four days until the owner came. 
And the law is that when the owner comes, you go and buy a gift and give and give to the shrine. And say, please, oh, thank you. Please let him go. And the person will pay for what was done. Four days he was there. And nobody dared go to touch those things. If the devil, if the devil can do that for his own people. The devil that has no love can do that for his own people. How much more the God that created us. Yesterday Jesus said, but you are worth more than hundreds of spies. The people of God, we need to search ourselves again. And ask ourselves, why is that this love is not manifesting in our lives? Why are we so far from God? Could Jesus be still be asking us the question, where is your faith? How about I loved you? He has loved us. He has paid the price. He has given everything. Can't we catch that love? Is it too much? Is anything too much for us to give him? Nothing. He didn't come that we may die. He said he has come that we may have life. Today again, he is asking you and I a very deep fundamental question. Where is your faith? Faith is a response of the human spirit to the God that has shown love. Where is your faith? Where is your commitment? Where is your sacrifice? Where is your connection? That same Jesus, we're going to receive him now in the Holy Communion. He's going to come again. Let us truly resolve in our heart to begin a new work with him. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new grace. Every day is a new level in the spirit. And we ask the Holy Ghost at this Mass to help us rediscover this love and truly offer ourselves. Totally. And provoke the supernatural to be to work with us. On account of this, the storm of life will be cheap to handle. Jesus calmed the storm just because he's still with them. Now he has gone back. They should call him again. Don't come down again to come and stop the storm. He has given you too much to stop the storm of your life. That storm is there because we have not discovered his love. That crisis is there because we have not discovered his love. That challenge in office is there because we have not discovered his love. All the things that come around us that pushes us and makes us to be frightened, they all come because we are bereaved of his love. Come, Holy Spirit, and feed the hearts of the faithful. May God bless his words and our hearts through Christ our Lord. Amen.